Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. This is Pastor Josh, and we are going to be continuing our series um, about generational discipleship. And we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. We're going to take a look at some other passages of Scripture in 2 Timothy, and we'll also be in Galatians as well. Really, we want to discuss how uh, one generation transfers the faith um, and the truths and principles of the Word of God to another generation. And we really want to hone in on the idea that discipleship begins at home, that other godly influences can help parents disciple their children, and also that the Bible is full of truths and principles that we need to pass on to the next generation. So how do we go about making all this happen? How do we accomplish this? Well, I think we need to really understand that from birth, parents are the child's first teacher, and that our home is really their first classroom. So as parents, what we do um, really has a, a great bearing on our children and their first lessons. The discipleship process begins with parents and other Christian followers that are willing to pour time, wisdom, and spiritual understanding into the lives of our children, including fellow church members. You know, Many of us were blessed to have someone willing to invest in our lives for the sake of the gospel, and that same process has to continue for the gospel to move on from generation to generation. So starting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 9, we're going to talk about how generational discipleship begins first in our homes. And this familiar passage on the spiritual family life can feel overwhelming when we look at it at first glance. But when we break it down sentence by sentence, we can see that generational discipleship is really just simply incorporating God into the things we already do in our everyday life. So first, it's allowing God to shape our everyday family experience to include His ways and His truth. Discipling our children doesn't require a seminary degree, and aren't we all glad about that? It does require a lifetime of biblical knowledge and for us to continue to find the right answers. But we got to realize that we're not going to have the right answers all the time. Instead, we have to try to do everything that we can do with a willing heart and to be intentional with our actions when it comes to sharing and passing down the truth of God from one generation to the next. And there's three distinct steps for a family discipleship that we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The first is loving God. Moses instructed us to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. So often we try to lead our families without first connecting our heart and our child's heart to God's heart. We need to teach our children to obey God out of love for Him and not just out of obligation. So if the first principle is loving God, the second principle of family discipleship is that we talk about the truths of God with our children. Moses said that we are to talk about the truth of God as we go about our normal, everyday activities. And Moses didn't mean that every conversation should be all about God. He was talking about the concept of teachable moments. And these are moments that happen in the course of everyday life, when we're sitting at the breakfast table, when we're driving to school, or watching television at home. It is intentionally imparting truth along the natural path and events of life. And we as parents must always be watching for and anticipating these moments to share the truths of God with our children. So if the first thing is loving God, And the second thing is taking advantage of teachable moments. The third principle, and most likely what everything else consists of, is to model the ways of God to our children. In verse 8 and 9, Moses told the people to take the truths of God and tie them as symbols on their hands, bind them on their foreheads, and write them on the door frames of their houses. So we've got to take note of the figures of speech that Moses is using here. We've got to tie them, bind them, and write them. And these are all verbs. They're actions that need to be performed. A component of discipling our children is wrapped up in our actions. 
And I want you to get this. Your children learn how to be Christ-like by watching you. My children learn how to be Christ-like by watching me. Simply seeing consistent biblical disciplines in an adult or hearing an adult's godly thought process can give a child or a teen the tools needed to understand and incorporate God's precepts throughout life. So we need to constantly be pointing out in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that God is making it clear that our home is the place to make disciples and transfer the faith. And we got to keep encouraging one another to teach these key truths at our homes. So the takeaway from this first part of our lesson here is that parents should be intentional about teaching children how to love and follow God. And we got to ask ourselves this question, how can we include discipleship in our family's daily activities? And then we got to remind ourselves, why is it so important for parents to model a close, obedient relationship with Christ? Sometimes the biggest things that you say are the words that you don't use. It's the way that you live out the gospel in your life, in loving God, teaching others, and modeling the ways of God. I hope this first part of the lesson was helpful, and I hope you'll join us next time as we continue our series on one generation to another. Welcome back to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We're continuing our lesson here on one generation to another. We began in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to continue here in the second part in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And the thing we want to hone in here is that other godly influences can help parents disciple their children. I think it's good to know that we're not on an island by ourselves, that God does provide us other influences to help guide and shape the lives of our children. So there's some things that parents are good at, and maybe a few of them have even been mastered, but most of, most of life we are still figuring it out and we're learning ourselves. And this is part of the beauty in the body of Christ, the church. We do not always know what to teach or how to teach it, but chances are that there is someone else in the church who does have knowledge or experience in that area. And aren't you glad that you don't have to have all the answers? There was a study done by Fuller Theological Seminary, and they conducted it over a few years of studying hundreds of teenagers. And you can, you can find the, 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 the study. It's called the College Transition Project. It's in a book called Sticky Faith. But more about that, it says to find out what causes some to have a faith that lasts after high school and what causes others' faith to flounder. One of the key truths that they found among students that had a firm faith was that these students had a web of spiritual influence in their lives. It wasn't enough for just mom and dad to speak truth to them. They had other people. They were coaches. They were teachers. They were grandparents. They were pastors. They were small group leaders that all influenced these teenagers. And as the leader, we've got to constantly think about how we can share personal stories. In our homes, we're the leaders. How can we share personal stories of how we've been influenced and shaped by other people's Christian experience and their influence in our lives? Be open to sharing that um, with others, and especially with your children. So we want to look and we want to see this web of spiritual influence in, in Timothy's life. That's how we're going to be in 2 Timothy here, and how he grew into spiritual maturity. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3-7, through 7, we see that Paul had poured his life into Timothy, not just spiritually, but also relationally. He also reminded Timothy of the influence both his mother and his grandmother had on him. You know, Timothy's mother was Eunice, and she wisely brought other influences into her son's spiritual life. Clearly, Paul played a great role in that. She may also made sure that Timothy spent time with his grandmother, Lois, and apparently she was involved in encouraging and mentoring Timothy's relationship that he had with Paul. So realize this, that God has established the church also to make disciples and transfer the faith. Not only is the home the primary place for parents to transfer faith to children, but God uses the church as a pivotal place in the life of our, of our, 
uh, children and teenagers. So we've got to dig deeper. What about families that are maybe <clears throat> um, broken up or families that have a different structure? What, what, what are, what's available for them? I think the church really plays a large role in that. And just a little kind of digging deeper into that is that, you know, we got to remember that the reasons for parents, um, either solo parenting or single parenting, are really varied. And I don't ever want to be a discouragement to them. In fact, I think the church is the most valuable resource that solo parents have. And there could be a variety of reasons. It could be that a parent was never married. It could be that they're divorced. Maybe they've got a spouse that's serving in the military. Or maybe they're widowed. You know, others may be new to the area and they might feel like they're going in all alone. They don't know anybody. But regardless of the circumstance or situation, uh, God has designed the body of Christ to be there to help. And a church family, here's a few things that you can find in a church family if you're solo parenting, is that you can find encouragement, strength, help. You can find prayer. Think about this. If your child needs a mentor, then the church can help find a mentor for your child. And if the solo parent needs someone to bounce ideas off of, there's the whole body of Christ to have coffee with or we just stop in to check in on the family that God has designed the church to be a place of help. So I don't ever want you know single parents to feel like they're on their own in an island, that God has give, gifted you, the church, really, to help you in the raising of your children. So let's dial this back a little bit, thinking about the church being a valuable resource for discipling um, our kids. Remind ourselves that parents can include other godly influences in the spiritual development of their children. And I just think that's a healthy practice. Be wise, be prudent with who you allow to influence your children, but be, um, be humble to allow other people uh, to be spiritual influences in your children's lives. So we've got to ask ourselves these two questions. How can fellow church members help parents disciple their children? And secondly, we've got to ask ourselves, how can extended family help parents disciple their children as well? So God helping us that we'll be humble enough to allow other people to influence our children for the glory of God and for the work of the gospel in their lives. And we'll see our children's faith be built up as a web of influence is developed all around them. Hope you find this helpful and hope you'll join us for the last part of this lesson that the Bible is full of truths and principles to pass to the next generation. Welcome back for the last part of our lesson, One Generation to Another, and we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, looking at uh, verses 22 and 23. Pretty familiar passages for most of us, I imagine. But we want to uh, hone in on this last section that the Bible is full of truths and principles to pass to the next generation. What is it that we're trying to hand off? What are we trying to develop in the lives of our children and our teenagers? On the surface, disciplining children is one of the most intimidating things a parent can face. Many of us were not raised in homes where our parents intentionally discipled us. They may have taken us to church, maybe even prayed at the dinner table. But most likely, few of us had parents who daily walked in a spiritual journey with us. Now, I'm grateful to say that I, I had parents like that, and maybe some of you who are listening can say the same. But unfortunately, sometimes we're starting from scratch, and not everybody has had that kind of influence. So what do we do? Well, even if we like the idea of teaching our child or grandchild, since most of us never experienced this kind of relationship ourselves, we feel at a loss to even know where to start. So the good news is this, is that even if we have never had a single intentional step to disciple our children, we can start now. Today is the day where you can begin to disciple your children. Today can be the day, can be day one of our journey that delving into God's word with our children. And there's something joyous about opening the word of God with your children and hearing them read the scriptures. Knowing this, that God's word gives important truths and principles to talk about with them. 
Here's a few to get us started, and we're starting in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's a great place to begin. What are we trying to model and develop in our kids' lives? Well, first is this. Teach and practice the fruit of the Spirit. When in doubt about what character traits God wants us to model and lead our children and teens to build in their lives, start with the basics. What's the fruits of the Spirit, or really the fruit of the Spirit? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And as we teach these characteristics to our children, keep in mind that they're a reflection of the life of Jesus. Each one of these um, fruit of the Spirit that we identify here is something that's an outpouring of the life of Christ that he models for us. And as we follow him, the Holy Spirit produces those in us, or these in us, as we live under his control. What else can we model? Well, I think Isaiah 1.18 gives us a good starting point. That we can live out the good news of repentance and forgiveness. Um, that you and your child labor together if they know Christ as their personal Savior. And we can live that out, the good news of repentance and forgiveness. When we feel convicted about a particular sin or error during our day, confess it to God. And sometimes it's appropriate to confess that to our family. Our children can only learn to be humble if we also are willing to be humble. The only way children know an appropriate response to sin is by seeing someone else who is willing to act openly and with humility. We can model a right relationship with God by modeling a right relationship with our children as we ask for forgiveness when we have wronged them. I think that would be something that speaks volumes to young people where, where it is appropriate to confess our sin and ask for forgiveness when we have sinned against those in our family. What else can we do? Well, Proverbs 15:22 gives us a, a place to begin that we can model a willingness to seek godly counsel before making major decisions. Lots of major decisions need to be made all the time. I know that I look for wise people and counsel to help me, and others have, that I know have done the same. So whenever we're facing a life change, maybe a job change, maybe a financial decision, or just some significant milestone, we can let our children or teens see us go first and foremost to the Word of God and to the Bible, and then go to other godly, faithful believers to find wisdom. Who do we go to for godly counsel in times of stress? What verses do we meditate on when we're trying to avoid anxiety? Who do we ask to pray for us when we don't know which option to choose? As our children or teens see us modeling a willingness to seek help in the middle of uncertainty, they will see that living God's way is not some kind of mystical, isolating, or fearful experience, but that it's a lifestyle of biblical wisdom that we can share with others who walk alongside us as we seek to follow Christ. I think a fourth thing that we can instill in our children's lives is to be willing to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 reminds us that we are to speak God's truth, but to speak it in a loving way. Well, much of the mentoring process is modeling God's ways. There are times when we need to express words clearly and in a way that our child or teen can receive, even if it's difficult. According to Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love enables us to grow in maturity every, in every way. This requires great discernment on our part to know whether our words are in love or if they are merely meant to shame or control our child. Here's some tips for approaching awkward or potentially volatile conversations. And as parents, we know that we can enter into these oftentimes without warning. So what do we do? Here's some tips for approaching sometimes awkward or potentially volatile conversations. The first is this. Go to a neutral location. Confronting bad behavior or concern over poor choices tends to lead to an argument defensiveness, sometimes yelling or screaming, and certainly whining. Consider going on a walk around the block with a younger child or taking your teen um, somewhere to a public place like a park or a coffee shop so that neither of you is likely to lose your temper during the conversation. 
I think there's some wisdom in that. The second just practical piece of advice is avoid accusing or generalizing things like, well, you always do this or you never do this. Try to deal with the particular issue in a loving but straightforward way. The third thing is this. Speak in a loving tone of, tone of voice and with loving body, body language. Speaks volumes when somebody who you are correcting knows that you love them and that what you want is the best for them. I often use the analogy of coaching, that a coach isn't doing a good job unless he is trying to bring what he knows is the best quality, the best ability out of the people that he's coaching. And as parents, we know that God has designed our children for a specific purpose and a specific task. And as parents, we do them a disservice if we don't try to help them achieve everything that God has for them. So here's some other tips. Resist saying that you need to have more patience or asking how can you act better. Instead say, I know you're frustrated with your brother, but how do you think God can help you be more patient toward him? Or I understand you would like to do that right now, but we are just not able to. Why don't we pray and ask God to give us joy, even when we don't get everything we want? Steering the conversation Godward is always going to be a beneficial thing. Steering the conversation to prayer, to ask God for patience. Steering um, the conversation to God to, uh, to help us offer forgiveness to those who've wronged us is going to be something rather than just focusing it on the behavior of the child themselves. To be honest, as adults, we know that we can't do things in our own strength. strength. So let's teach our children to rely on God and His strength as well. If you're looking for some other valuable um, mentoring and discipling ideas for children and teens, I encourage you to visit and use some of this material. Look at www.360360family.org. Helpful articles there you can find, as well as some podcasts. There's a book called How You Always Meant to Parent by Brian Hausman. There's also a book called How to Really Love Your Teen by Ross Campbell. And then there's another book called Beautiful Chaos by Lanita Fix. These are just useful resources, and again, they're books and resources like anything else. So you might find some helpful material. You might find some things you disagree with, but ultimately, they're just resources, and we know that we always lean on the Word of God and the Spirit of God to give us guidance and direction. So how do we wrap this up? I think but we always need to be learning and practicing God's Word so that we can help our children learn and practice it as well. So let's ask ourselves this. What are some key truths and principles from God's Word that children need to know? Identify them and then pass them along. And then ask ourselves, what does it look like to use teachable moments to talk with children about things we encounter in everyday life? When we have a plan, we can execute the plan. And we won't miss out on the God-ordained appointments that we have with our children to teach His truth and see them continue to grow in the faith. So I hope this lesson on generational discipleship from one generation to another has been helpful. And I hope that you'll take these principles and what we'll see our families and our homes strengthen by what God is doing. Hope you'll join us next time here on the Calvary Couples Podcast.